are now listening to the Dynasty Rewind. Welcome back to the Dynasty Rewind, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. Joining me, like always, Garrett Price and Shevin Nooney. How are we doing today, guys? Good. How you doing, man? Doing good. good What's good. up, boys? Not much. Glad to be back with you guys. Apologize, everybody, that the show's getting out two days late, but life gets in the way. Uh, you know how it goes. Everybody gets busy. So we are happy to be here with you today. Uh, we're going to start off with the news. Uh, I need to find my paper. Here it is. So Packers head coach Matt LaFleur tore his Achilles. Is his Achilles, right? It wasn't his ACL? Or is my handwriting just that right. bad? Okay. So, um, you know, I was kind of thinking about this, and... I saw that he tours something, and I think he threw out the first pitch at a baseball game somewhere. Oh, Am really? Right? Is that how he did it? I, I think so, because I saw he had that kind of like a full leg cast on. So I'm thinking if you're a new coach coming in and you get hurt, that's a significant injury. If you're a player, in some cases that could be a career-ending injury. But if you're doing something like that and you're gutting it out, do you think – that endears the players to you a little bit more. Like I would think Aaron Rodgers is a hard guy to impress. So he might have a little bit more respect for him. I mean, hopefully they don't play the Bears week one, do they, Chev? Yeah, that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a quick dub for the Bears. That's all I gotta say about that. I mean, their head coach is already getting injured. I mean, that's just that's just easy dubs, so don't worry really? about that. Yeah. Ooh, I love the NFC North trash talk. But um Interested to see how things are going to go down in Green Bay this year, especially with him saying that Aaron Jones or what are they going to do, a running back by committee? Because, you know, why would you want a stud running back on the field all the time? That wouldn't make any sense to me. <laughs> um, speaking of studs, the Saints have signed Buck Allen. Um, I thought you were going to say me, but that's fine. <laughs> were you signed by the Saints, Garrett? You were no, a linebacker. I'm a stud. I don't want to hear it. I'm a oh, stud. Yeah, that's, sure. where, that's where I thought you were going. Speaking of studs, it's Garrett Price. If you're such a stud, why don't you go hang out in the lumber department at Lowe's? <laughs> Boo. <laughs> dad jokes. Come on. Gary, you got to have some dad jokes. I don't know what to tell you. I do. They, they're really bad, too. So I can't well, say that's, too much. That's what, that's what, you wearing New Balances right now, too? See, that's one, that's one area I will not compromise. Shoe game is still strong. Mm-hmm. What do you got? What's that? Ye- what do you got? Yeezys? I'm not rocking Yeezys. Ultra Boosts are my favorite. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, they're they're also by Adidas. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, you'll you'll catch me wa- uh, rocking Air Max, uh, maybe some Jordans. Yeah, my shoe game's still strong. Well, I do rock the New Balance, but not the um, white old man shoes. You know the, what I'm talking the about? The dad ones with the navy blue N. Yeah, yeah, I. I wear the nice ones that you actually have to spend more than $30 for at Kohl's. Uh, (laughs) But back to Buck Allen, uh, kind of an interesting signing for me. I didn't think that they'd go after a guy like this, especially after signing Latavius Murray in the off season. I guess maybe this is more insurance 
for Kamara if he gets hurt because Buck Allen's more of a pass catcher. I don't know if you guys think anything about this signing or it's he's just going to get garbage time late in games when the Saints are up maybe. Yeah, I he's just he's just a jag at this point in his career and unless there's some sort of injury that happens, it's it's basically a stay away for me. Yeah, I'm not going to even as a guy who owns Kamara in a couple spots, I'm not going to rush out and get him. Let somebody else suck up a roster space with him. I don't really care. Uh, okay, the Jacksonville Jaguars are expected to sign Terrell Pryor. His last stint was a six foot five coat rack. What do you guys think about this <laughs> signing? Well, have you seen his his build? Like he's a twig. Yeah, it's Doesn't true. He, I, yeah. I mean, I have a soft spot for Terrell Pryor for a couple reasons. One, he was an Ohio State Buckeye, uh, and he led us to a lot of victories. Two, he had his really his only fantasy relevant season as a receiver was in Cleveland uh, and he, he had a good year despite the team being absolutely terrible he was a usable asset so I have a little bit of a soft spot for him but with all that's going on in Jacksonville there's not too much to really get excited about yeah yeah I mean if, if you want to put him at the end of your bench on a 30-man roster like I have I have no issues with that at all. So you do what you need to do, but that's much more than that. I'm not going to like make a deal to try to get him. I'd probably rather roster Chris Conley over him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from that, NFLPA Executive Director DeMaurice Smith tells players to save money in the event of a 2021 work stoppage. This was kind of the biggest news for me of the week. Um, I don't like hearing stuff like this. Is it, is it, is it the NFLPA trying to be pushy? Like, hey, listen, we're gonna stop. No one's gonna play if we don't get what we want. I mean, they did this the last time. There was almost a holdout too. So I, I don't know. But what am I gonna write articles about then? If <laughs> if there's no football to watch, <laughs> I, I really don't know. The XFL. That's what. Well, hopefully that doesn't turn out like the AAF did. But you know what? While we're on the AAF, the AAF deserved to fold. And here's why. If every time I turn on the TV to watch an AAF game, I have to watch freaking Christian Hackenberg throw it 10 yards behind a receiver or fumble a handoff or fumble the ball just when somebody's in his face, then you deserve to fold. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we had a team in Arizona, the Hot Shots, and uh, I actually work at the YMCA, so they actually came and did a little clinic for our guys. I mean, they're awesome guys. Trevor Knight was there, uh, big OU guy. So, I mean, that was pretty cool to have them there. They're all super nice and uh, great with the kids, but it's kind of sad to see uh, guys like that, their, or their dreams kind of get crushed a little bit, uh, seeing that uh, league end too. So, But wasn't that team actually pretty decent though? Yeah, they were pretty good, yeah. Yeah, there was a couple teams that were pretty good, but then there were some teams that were just straight up bad. So mm-hmm. I know Garrett was really upset when the AAF folded, though. So I hope you're okay, Garrett. Uh, I, I carried on somehow. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it for news for the week. Kind of a slower week. I mean, you know, everybody looks great. No OTAs. Everybody's going to break out, which we will be talking about later. Um, I don't believe a lot of this stuff that you hear in OTAs like – you know, the ninth-year wide receiver is finally going to come out and have a 1,200-yard year and 10 touchdowns. So um, take some of the OTA talk with a grain of salt, everybody. So aside from that, how about we do a price check with our very own Garrett Price? 
All right, this week I'm going to be touching on a receiver that I'm very, very fond of. Talked about him a little bit on Twitter this week. That's Rashard Higgins. Uh, he is a wide receiver for the Cleveland Football Browns, soon to be Super Bowl champion Football Browns. Um, really? Yeah, they will be someday. Hopefully, well, I'm coming time. to Ohio this month, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tone down my my anti-Ohio rhetoric. I don't really have any. I'm just okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in your segment here. Go ahead, Garrett. Yeah, come on, man. I'm the star <laughs> of this segment. Let me have my moment. Uh, <laughs> Garrett's the star of everything. In case you don't know Garrett, he is um, he is doing great threads on Twitter, and he might be the world's greatest human being and nicest person. That's I not say, true. I say that with all sincerity. I, I mean that Garrett is a genuinely awesome person. So if anyone's mean to Twitter, I will give you the Tyree Kill treatment. So do, <laughs> do not be mean to Garrett. Anyway, continue on with the price check. Oh man! See now you're making me blush. It's a good thing this isn't isn't video. It's a, it's only audio. Um, but I do appreciate that. But anyway, Higgins. Um, so I think he's kind of become the forgotten player in this receiving core. We've gotten excited about Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Jarvis Landry's obviously a much bigger name. Talking about those two guys, then everybody's all over Antonio Callaway as uh, the breakout star of this team. But I'm not sold that he is uh, going to do too much other than a week here and there where he blows up because he was able to get a long play. But here's the thing about Higgins. One, Higgins is the only receiver over six foot tall out of all of these guys. OBJ's under six foot. Jarvis Landry's under six foot. Antonio Callaway's quite a bit under six foot. So none of these guys have that bigger possession body type guy. Um, Higgins has that. Two, he was building up a rapport with Baker Mayfield at the end of last year. Um, I wish I would have kept the stats in front of me. I started getting into some other stuff. But long story short, um, the, the last few games of the season, he, he was doing a lot of good things, started getting some touchdowns. Things were really starting to look good uh, with him and Baker Mayfield. Right now, he's doing phenomenal in camp. Every highlight you see, it seems like he's involved uh, with Baker on it. Um, and you can get him basically free. I know for the Dynasty Nerds, our, our uh, average ranking of Rashad Higgins is almost 250. So that oh. you're, you're telling me in the you know early 20s of your rounds to take a flyer on a guy that could eventually be uh, a big deal in Cleveland, um, I, think, I think it's a great value to just toss him on your end of your bench, see what happens. Now, the, the biggest reason of all of it that I think – you should you should take a look at Higgins is I am not sold that Landry will be on this team long term not because of anything bad he's done he's been great for the culture he's been a good player but I do worry that his contract is so big that tying up that much money with his contract and OBJ's contract especially once Baker Mayfield needs to make his money is going to become really really cumbersome so by 2020 at the latest 2021 I could see them moving on from Landry and then there's a wide open role for, for Higgins to really become that number two guy. Hmm. That's interesting because in the dynasty nerds, Debbie league, I just drafted him. Did you really? Hey, you swayed me and it's in the late rounds. Why not take a shot here? Dang it. I should have taken him before I started talking because <laughs> yeah. I literally picked just before you. <laughs> I know. Who did you take? I didn't get to see it. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember who I just took. Uh, but you didn't take Richard Higgins, did you? Oh, no, I took uh, I took a tight end. Was it Oliver? I think I took Oliver, Josh Oliver. I need some okay. tight end help in that league because I kind of neglected the position overall. So That's the dude that got drafted in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, I think he could be a sneaky good good play this year. Yeah, I think I think he could too. Um, Foles had a really good rapport with Zach Ertz. Now, obviously, this guy's no Zach Ertz. Um, but given the opportunity, he could be something pretty good. And so, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a really good athlete too, so we'll see. There, there you go. All right, so thank you for the uh, – I almost said rewind. Thank you for the price check, Garrett. So we were talking earlier about some guys that are going to break out in OTAs, but there's some guys that we have that might actually break out and be able to uh, help your fantasy team. So these guys right here are kind of interesting because I have a couple of these guys and I'm getting bugged for them. And here's the funny thing, and you, I'm sure you guys have come across this. You have one of these guys on your team, and someone tries to trade for them. And, no, I'm going to I'm gonna hang on to him because I, I think he's going to have a good year. Well, he sucks. The guy I offered is better. But how does that work? If he's better, you want him on your team. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's one of those things that I hate when people do during trading, and I'm sure everyone could agree with me. Or not, whatever, is fine. So the first guy we're going to talk about today, uh, I know Garrett is a huge fan of Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. Tell me a little bit more about Curtis. Yeah, Curtis Samuel, you know, I was just talking about uh, Higgins, who was really coming on at the end of last year. Same thing with Samuel. Samuel was a guy that was taking uh, in the seventh round of the, the 2015 draft uh, but he always just had injuries kind of getting in his way. Uh, but at the end of the last year, he was really coming on strong. Uh, actually had better touchdown numbers than DJ Moore. Uh, and as far as a per-game basis, actually had very comparable uh, receiving yards. And so he's he's starting to gain steam, so you're not going to be able to get him quite as cheap as you would have been able to get him, say, two months ago or so. But I think he's still cheap enough that if you're looking for a guy, an upside flex play, um, a wide receiver three, a guy that could be really explosive, especially in best ball, um, the guy has that athletic ability to be able to take it to the house. Reminds me of shades of uh, Percy Harvin at times. So there, there's a lot in his game that I really enjoy uh, watching, and I think he could end up being a sneaky good wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers this year. You want to talk about a rewind? I was a huge Percy Harvin fan. Yeah. Shame about him. What he had like what the the migraines? The migraines. Or something like yep, that? that's what killed yeah. him. And he had some knee problems too, didn't he? You're probably right, but it, the migraines but, are what I remember. Yeah, and I, let's be honest, every NFL player probably has knee problems at some point. Um, hey, let's keep it on the same team. I know Shevin's a huge Ian Thomas fan. Why should I buy Ian Thomas? Yeah, I love Ian Thomas for this next next upcoming season. Uh, we know Greg Olson is on his way out, so now would be the time to kind of buy Ian Thomas before that uh, Olsen injury happens, and uh, you're not going to be able to buy him uh, at the price you want to. So Ian Thomas is a guy that's sneaky athletic. Uh, he's got very good hands, and I think he's going to be a big red zone threat for Cam Newton. And I also think he's going to be a safety blanket for him as well. I uh, definitely love Curtis Samuel as well. He's going to be a, a sneaky good buy uh, this season. Uh, you can definitely count on him to be the guy that's coming across the middle on those quick slants that can kind of take it to the house as well. So really love Curtis Samuel. But Ian Thomas, I think, is going to be a guy that is going to be Cam Newton's uh, staple for this next uh, upcoming season. 
Um, he's going to be a guy that uh, Cam Newton's going to depend on just because I think Cam's shoulder is still going to be affecting him later on in the season as the, um, the season goes on. So really look for him to uh, explode this season once uh, Olsen possibly gets injured or even retires. You know, Chef, actually, you're the perfect person to ask this question to because um, this ties in both with you being a Bears fan and mm-hmm. Ian Thomas. Do you think the Bears gave up on Greg Olsen too soon? I thought they did. Yeah, I would probably say they probably did give up on him a little too early. Um, I'm not 100% sure who they brought in after him. I can't remember exactly at the moment. But uh, Greg Olson was a guy that I believe that they could count on during those times. Um, But, uh, I mean, when it comes, sometimes you just got to make a move, and the Bears decided uh, they would want to move on without Greg Olson. So, uh, I mean, it's tough to say, but I think uh, they did kind of cut it soon or cut it off too soon. You know, you actually made a good point without trying to. If you can't remember the guy that came after, then they yep. got rid of the first guy too soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Right? Yeah. yeah. 100%. I mean, uh, let's see. Garrett, who did the Browns have after they got rid of Brandon Whedon? There's like 800 different quarterbacks. It's a lot. Let's see. I feel, I feel, like, I feel like I can get this. Uh, directly after Brandon Whedon, uh, I think I feel like I know this. I'm trying to think. Was it a uh, was it Campbell? Uh, well, that's right. Jason Campbell did play. Was it at Brian Hoyer? Brian Hoyer was there. Let's see. He, Brian Hoyer would have been after Brandon Whedon. I want to say there would have been like a backup that got playing time in between there. Um, okay. But Hoyer was pretty close to that time period too. There was also that that kid uh, from South Carolina that only like played one game, and it was at like the end of the year. Oh, what was his name? Shaw, uh, Connor Shaw. He, okay. I guess the one game he got like, jack like he got hit so many times. He was just a, <laughs> uh, like a, a punching bag for like game seventeen when nobody wanted to play. The offensive line was done. We won like three games. And dude just balled out, played really well. We didn't win the game, but he played really well. And I guess at the end, he was actually pissing blood because he had gotten hit so many times. But he finished the game. Hey, didn't they also, like, start Charlie Fry for one game and then trade him that week? Yeah. And then that was when Derek Anderson came in, had the the magical, uh, what was that, 9 or uh, 07 season with him, Braylon Edwards, uh, uh, Kellen Winslow, all those guys, and we thought, here it comes. We're, we're finally making it to the playoffs. We win 10 games. 10 games we won. And mm-hmm. somehow that still wasn't enough to make the playoffs. But it was probably a good thing. We probably wouldn't have won anyway. Well, that's like the year that Kelly Holcomb was the quarterback. They should have made the playoffs that year too, right? Well, they did make it that year. So Couch played most of the season. Oh, that's right. They Yeah, they and did. then Kelly Holcomb played the last couple games, and but it was a, it was a wild card game against the Steelers. And the Steelers ended up winning that game, but he played really well. Ended up getting him a contract with Jacksonville, I want to say, and he didn't do anything after that. But yeah, he, it was unfortunate. He was Holcomb was an okay. Why do I know so much about the Browns? I don't. Know. <laughs> As you weird. should. As I should. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to educate you on the Super Bowl Fifty Two champions. Soon. Oh my gosh! Here we go. Let's talk about Legarrette Blunt. <laughs> Let's talk about Legarrette Blunt. He's not on our <laughs> list, though. Because he's a little bit older. Hey, you know what? You could tell that he was missed last year. They needed that hammer. The Eagles running game did not have it. 
So what are you going to do? Hey, uh, let's see. Who does Garrett like? I'm just going to randomly select someone. I'm not going to go in order. See if that pisses him off. Uh, how about Deonta Foreman? Why should I buy Deonta Foreman? Is it? Am I saying his first name right? Whatever. So here's the Foreman. thing. I've heard it like Deonta. Um, I've heard it. I've always said Deonta. It's D apostrophe O N T A. So I always assumed it was Deonta, but maybe I'm saying it wrong. So Deonta Foreman, if you're out there and I'm saying your name wrong, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Dynasty Price. We can chat about it, and I will try to get your name right next time, my homie. Um, and if you're on Twitter, make sure you you follow Dynasty Rewind, and we are now available on iTunes. iTunes. Everybody, it's just available everywhere, me. right? It also would help if I was searching the correct app app for us. I was looking in Apple Music, uh, oh, not Apple Podcasts. Yeah, honey, do we have a, do we have Apple Podcasts? Can you check on your computer? <laughs> No. Oh, I'm using the computer for the podcast. Sorry, never mind. I was talking to my wife, everybody. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So tell me about D apostrophe Anta Foreman, who has not done much. I have his stats in here. He only uh, He's only played in 11 games. He's only started one. He has 85 carries, 326 yards, and two touchdowns, and that's for his career. Now, he did have an Achilles injury, but he is six foot one and 236 pounds, so he can be a banger uh, through the middle of the line. Is that why we're buying him? Does he do anything in the passing game? So here's the thing about Foreman. Coming out of college, he was uh, very well thought of, got drafted in the third round by the Texans, was looking really, really good. Um, there was a lot of positive signs. Uh, actually, his last run of his career was like this 25, 35-yard run, uh, and he tore his Achilles right before getting into the end zone. And so it was just it was really sad to see uh, happen, but he was basically on the cusp of taking that job away from Lamar Miller. And so, of course, Lamar Miller lived on after the fact and uh, is, is still chugging along as we speak. But I uh, – I've really always had a soft spot for Dante Foreman. I think that he is an incredibly talented player uh, that just got really, really unlucky. He's a big dude, uh, but he ran, I want to say it was a 4 4 5 40 at 230 pounds. So he's, I mean, when you're talking about those size speed scores, um, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, he kind of fell off the radar last year. He was trying to come back from the injury. He didn't really didn't really go as quickly as most people were hoping. And obviously, a bigger guy with an Achilles injury uh, that can make it a little bit more scary uh, as well. So he finally got back last couple games of the season. Didn't really look good. He looked slow. He looked like he was still trying to recover, knock that rust off. And so you were you were missing a lot of what Donta Foreman looked like in 2017, in 2018, um, but some of the reports that I'm hearing and, and these are guys that are like uh, pro football doc are saying like, I actually really like some of the stuff that I'm seeing out of him. He looks like he's running hard. He's running well. Uh, some of the videos that you can see, you can tell that he's making the cuts. He's making the moves. He's had a year and a half now and plus some to, to be able to recover from this injury. And the biggest telltale sign of all of them is Houston didn't draft a running back. They seem to be a team that, would absolutely take a running back in this draft and for whatever reason didn't. And so if there was a running back in the ninth, 10th, 11th round that could absolutely steal the show and become an RB1 for their team and I think could be an RB2 on the season, it would absolutely be Dante Foreman. 
So two things about Foreman. One, I thought, well, not necessarily, well, it is directly related to him. I was thinking Le'Veon Bell would go there, and he didn't. So obviously that's a sign that um, the Texans have trust in him. And secondly, I must have gotten about 20 different offers with people giving me Lamar Miller. So I'm thinking that's another way to know that he's on his way out because people are just trying to unload him. So no, I do not want Lamar freaking Miller. I'm not going to tell everybody again. (laughs) Oh, God. So when talking about breakouts, I got a kind of a question. Shevin, I want you to answer this for me. Who's going to have the better breakout season? Josh Allen or Sam Darnold in their second year? If I had to pick, I'm definitely going to go with Josh Allen. I love his potential a little more than uh, Sam Darnold uh, just because Allen, he does have a cannon, but he also does so much with his legs that uh, he's going to make up for the points if they don't throw the ball as much, and he kind of gets all the yardage on on the run. So I'm going to go with uh, Josh Allen on that one. Garrett, do you agree with that? Wholeheartedly. Well, I'm just going to go Sam Darnold to be different. How's that sound? (laughs) Go for it. Well, we... We know that uh, Adam Gase offense is very quarterback friendly as well as running back friendly, which that's going to be a weird situation to see how that plays out with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you got to go to work every day for the guy that didn't want you there. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I guess we will see. So next up, this seems to be everybody's breakout candidate of this offseason, and I do own him in multiple spots. I hope you guys do as well because he's going to be an absolute monster. And everyone that's listening that I play fantasy with, he's not for sale. Big Mike Williams, uh, in his career, 66 targets, 43 catches, 664 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Now, most of this uh, production did come last season. He did have, I believe, a neck injury his first year. Am I Mm -hmm. correct about that? Yeah. So uh, Keenan Allen, to me, is just more of kind of like a possession guy. I don't think he really stretches the field very much. I think he has kind of a lower yard per reception. Um, I don't know if if he could be that big red zone target that Mike Williams can. So do you guys agree that this is a good reason to buy Mike Williams? Tyrell Williams is gone. Um, Hunter Henry is back, but I think he's going to take a lot of underneath stuff away. So it looks like that would open up the down-the-field stuff for Big Mike. Yeah, so I think Mike Williams is definitely going to be a, a great breakout candidate for this upcoming season. Even though Keenan Allen may not be that red zone guy, Keenan Allen still uses his footwork and all his route-running skills to get open. They're kind of different players in that aspect. But uh, Mike Williams is a big guy that you can definitely just throw the ball up to and have him just go up and get it on those uh, maybe smaller cornerbacks or safeties who he's going up against. I definitely love his potential for this upcoming season. Uh, Yes, the offense is going to be pretty loaded with Keenan Allen and Melvin Ingram, or Melvin Gordon, sorry. And then you have Hunter Henry. Uh, But I think I read somewhere that Tyrell Williams was actually on the field more than Mike Williams uh, last season. I don't know how true that is, but I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the potential is sky high for this young kid that's coming in. I really look forward to um, seeing him progress and kind of hope it uh, helps bump up uh, Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen because I I do love those guys in that offense. Yeah, you probably heard that on Garrett's Twitter, to be honest with you. (laughs) I don't follow him. I wouldn't either. No, I was just kidding. Garrett's a great guy. Um, And speaking of Garrett, he likes Zay Jones a lot. Uh, We just talked about Josh Allen. He's got that cannon for an arm. 
But Garrett, I'm a little confused on this one because uh, the Bills really added a lot. Robert Foster's there as well, and he's, for as small as he is, he's kind of a big play guy. They got John Brown. Um, you know, they have a lot of running backs. Now they're all ready for their retirement home. But T.J. Yeldon can still be a productive pass receiver. So sell me Zay Jones. I'm, I'm having a harder time with this one. So there's a few things to like about Zay Jones. One, he has that draft pedigree that you like to see. He was a second-round draft choice. And dude was an absolute stud in, in college, setting all types of records. Two, look at the types of players that they brought in. The only one that I think is going to take, well, let me let me say it this way. They brought in two main receivers. They brought in Cole Beasley, and they brought in John Brown. John Brown is a very similar type player to Robert Foster. So I think if there's anybody that would stand to lose some targets, it would be Foster in that deep passing game. The other one is Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is a fine underneath receiver, but he has he does not have the pedigree, the size, the speed. There, there's nothing that says wide receiver one. So right now, there's really nobody on this team unless you really think John Brown can be that guy, which I his whole career he's been a great deep threat, but he's never really been that true number one receiver. If there's somebody that could step up into that role, I think it's Zay Jones. Two, you look at the type of quarterback that Josh Allen is, he's not the world's most accurate quarterback. I do think he'll improve in that, but one way to help improve is to throw it to somebody that has a wide catch radius. He has a very big catch radius. Three, look at some of these games that he had at the end of the year. Last two games of the season for Zay Jones, and this is something that I always like to look at, guys that really start to build rapport, guys that don't take the end of the year off, but try to use that time to get better. He had nine targets in week 15 for five catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. And then in week 16, he had nine targets again. So that's 18 targets over two games, six catches for 93 yards and two touchdowns. So he had really, really good weeks to end the season. And once again, it's a shot in the dark. You're taking this guy probably after round nine, 10, 11, like somewhere in there. It's not like he's absolutely for sure, no matter what, going to be a stud. But at the price you're going to get him, if there is uh, a young receiver that could develop into a fantasy-relevant wide receiver too, this is the type of thing that you're looking for, a guy like Zay Jones. So what you're saying essentially is if it's a startup, draft him for depth with the hopes that he could be a productive wide receiver down the road. Yeah, you're not drafting him right away in the you know fifth round thinking that he's going to be uh, the guy because because honestly you don't have to you can draft this guy with your you know with the hundredth overall pick and he'll probably still be on the board so it's it's definitely more of an upside play but taking his upside compared to some of the other players in in that range I like his chances of taking that next step this year okay why don't we stick with wide receivers? I know that Chevin's a big Anthony Miller fan. Why am I buying Anthony Miller? This is an offense that has um, Trey Burton, who you know I, I'm not a fan of his because he screwed me last year. But they also have Allen Robinson. And uh, do they have Taylor Gabriel? Am I correct yes. about that? Yes. So why buy Anthony Miller? I think Anthony Miller is going to be a guy that's going to break out this season just because uh, he played all last season basically with a separated shoulder. 
So, I mean, that's a guy that you know wants to play the game of football. He has a passion for it. And he's a guy that uh, the Bears uh, traded up to go get. So they, they believe in this guy. And I know they have a bunch of wide receivers. And uh, that offense is uh, definitely difficult to learn from the beginning. But I think I liked what Anthony Miller did last season. He was a guy that I don't I know the full stats on him, but I know he had a good amount of touchdowns for his rookie season. Uh, he had a bunch of catches. Um, so, I mean, I just look at him to uh, improve this season, hopefully staying healthy and just keep learning that offense. And, I mean, Taylor Gabriel is a guy that I think is more of a deep threat, uh, more than uh, Anthony Miller is kind of a guy that you can kind of throw through the middle, and he's a guy that can make those plays. I, he's got good hands as well. So I really I really think he's going to improve the most in that Bears offense. Um, but Trey Burton definitely has a, a lot of improvement that could happen as well, so we'll see. Well, I got rid of Trey Burton, so I really don't <laughs> care if he improves because he really irritated me. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, he was definitely a player that everybody thought, like, oh, man, he's going to be in Matt Nagy's offense. He's going to be Travis Kelsey 2.0. No, not even close. It was definitely definitely a, a move that you want to take back if you did it last season. I mean, I, I thought the exact same thing that everybody else did. Yeah, He fought, he was productive when he did play in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, obviously, that the big Philly special play in the Super Bowl. So I'm like, this guy finally gets his chance. He's going to make the most of it. And I don't know, maybe is, that, is Trubisky just not a tight end using guy? Uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks that aren't. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a prime example of a guy who's going to throw it to a wide receiver nine times out of ten, uh, which gives me hope that Rosen's the quarterback there because I do have some shares of Mike Kosecki. And, you know, how many bad seasons of Mike Kosecki can all these owners take? So, <laughs> I don't know, I guess we'll see. Hey, let's switch it up now and go to a running back. Which one do you want to talk about first, Garrett? I know you're big on Rashad Penny and Royce Freeman. Which one would you like to discuss first? I'll uh, I'll discuss I'll discuss Penny because I know – Shevin's done some some digging into uh, to Royson and uh, Philip Lindsay, so I'll let mm-hmm. him talk. I'll talk let him talk more on those guys. I'll talk about Penny. So there's a few things with with Penny. It was really interesting to watch him play last year, because you were constantly frustrated as an owner because he had the preseason injury, kind of came in a little bit out of shape, but you were excited. I mean, the guy was a first round pick. He's he's got to be he's got to be the day one starter, right? And Chris Carson said, hey, not so fast. This I was here first, and I'm not giving up this job. And Chris Carson looked really, really good. But in his opportunities, once he got on the field, once he got acclimated to the offense, he looked really good, especially highlighted by that game against uh, the Rams where he rushed for over 100 yards, had the touchdown. Um, and it kind of looked like that was his coming out party, like, hey, Penny might be the guy now. You know, 12 carries, that's that's a substantial amount, compared, especially compared to – uh, what he had been doing before and ever since then he never got over 10 carries again uh, but still in his time he was pretty productive with the ball he had get some games where he would average you know five and a half yards a carry almost 10 yards a carry uh, another game with over almost six so I mean he had games where he was productive when he got the ball he just didn't get the ball a lot and so it was hard to be able to trust him you would have to assume that especially with Chris Carson dealing with some injuries in camp here. And Carson hasn't necessarily been the picture of health either. That this would be a prime opportunity in OTAs for Penny to be able to come out and really have an opportunity to take some shares of this offense. 
And so you have to assume that at some point they want to let their first round pick do his thing. Now, this is not an anti-Chris Carson spiel because I really, really like Chris Carson. And I think he's a very, very talented and very underrated running back. But it's more about reading the situation. And I do think eventually Penny's going to be that guy. If I have the opportunity to get both to insulate my risk, that's probably what I'm doing. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to bank on the upside with Rashad Penny. So for me, I put Rashad Penny and this is going to sound weird. Miles Sanders in the same boat, and I'm not. We're not talking Miles Sanders breakout. But what I'm saying is this: right now they're behind somebody, and I think if they prove themselves well in OTAs in camp, and then another team has an injury and they're looking for someone to fill a void, the guy that's holding these guys back, in this case Chris Carson and Jordan Howard, could get moved and kind of open a door for somebody. I don't know if that if that makes sense, but. We, we've seen it happen before. Actually, it happened in Wentz's rookie year. If you guys remember, um, Sam Bradford was there, and they got rid of him because Teddy Bridgewater went down. So, you know, I always, I'm always intrigued with guys like that that could be moved if the rookie's playing well and there's an injury ar- that arises. Um, a guy, another guy that I think is in that would have been in that predicament was Isaiah Crowell. Crowell. Um, had Josh Jacobs been playing well and Crowell wasn't doing much, but obviously he got hurt. So, but I thought he could have get got chipped out. So, all right, no one's saying anything, so I'm going to move on. But Chevin's going to tell me <laughs> about uh, Royce Freeman. Well, I, here's another circumstance where, and Chev, you can agree or disagree. I think draft capital is going to be a huge factor in Royce Freeman getting more playing time. I know it's a new coaching staff coming in, but. Lindsey was undrafted. Freeman was, I think, a third-round pick, if I'm correct. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. yeah, So you're going to want to get the guys that you're spending more money on the field, I would imagine, right? Why am I buying Royce right now? Yeah, so I'd be be trying to get uh, Royce Freeman and um, uh, Feld Lindsey on my same team just because I think it is going to be a running back by committee. I'm not sold on which one's going to be the back at the moment just because we have a new coaching staff that's coming in. Uh, Vic Vangio is a big defensive guy, so I think running the ball is going to be more in play, uh, especially with Flacco there. I know he likes to throw the little short uh, intermediate routes, so definitely intrigued to see how that goes with that offense, uh, and especially with Vic Vangio uh, running the defense. I think they're going to want to run the ball more. Uh, but I think I think Royce Freeman is definitely a guy that's going to be a, a pounder for them. I think Philip Lindsay's going to be more of a uh, more of a pass guy and also kind of a guy that can run it a little more outside than Royce. I think Royce can kind of hawk or kind of steal some touchdowns from uh, Lindsay as well. So um, honestly, for me, I'm not 100% sure on a breakout season for Freeman, uh, but I do I do think uh, this running back uh, committee is going to be one to watch for this upcoming season. If one goes down, I think the other is definitely going to excel, kind of like what Philip Lindsay did last season when uh, Freeman was hurt. So this is a good strategy talking point, and I usually stay away from handcuff scenarios like this where um, both backs in a running back by committee. I know a lot of people did it in the past with Kamara and Ingram. So if you have both of these guys, are you playing both of them and just hoping that the Broncos have a good game on the ground or – um, throwing it through the air. What is your strategy on something like this? And like I said, this is why I stay away from situations like this because it's so nerve-wracking trying to figure out who to play. 
Yeah, so it's definitely murky water. So, I mean, last season you had Derrick Henry and I believe it was Deion Lewis in that kind of Mm -hmm. same situation. So, it's definitely one I definitely try to stay away from. Uh, But for me, if you have both of those guys, if you can possibly start two other guys or how how many of you have two in that league, if you can kind of wait and kind of see who's going to be that starter, I'm going to guess it's going to be Philip Lindsay to start out. Um, But... If you have the chance to be able to kind of sit them on your bench and kind of wait and see, that's what I would do. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely not ideal, but it's uh, making safer bets uh, with your picks if you were to have to pick both of them. I would definitely definitely like that rather than just having one because one could bust and then, then you're kind of screwed at that running back position. It's funny you bring up Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry because I remember last year everyone was saying, Dion's the guy you want. Dion's the guy you want. Dion's the guy you want. And until Derrick Henry went off late in the year, you didn't want either of those guys. They mm-hmm. really did not do much. So we're hoping that the Broncos situation is a little bit different. Oh, it's gonna um, be it's gonna be better for sure. I hundred percent guarantee that. Okay. Uh, let me read my atrocious handwriting here. Um, <laughs> So, Garrett, who would you like to talk about next? I have a couple more guys written down. Uh, how are you feeling about Dante Pettis? I think you're a fan. Maybe not as big as, as I am. Yeah, you think- I, think, I think you're the, the resident uh, captain of the ship uh, for Dante Pettis. But I do like Dante Pettis as well. It's, it's tough because I feel like we've gotten to a point where people have either become Pettis guys or they've become Debo guys. And I feel like it's a similar situation to Carolina right now. Like, why why can't both be successful? I do think both players are talented players. I think, although there are some similarities, there's a lot of differences in their game. Um, I think you're going to see Debo probably lined up in the slot quite a bit, whereas you're going to see Pettis probably more on the outside. I think Debo's going to do more with some of the yards after the catch stuff where Pettis is going to do some things more over the top. I think both guys are going to be successful. We saw snippets of Pettis doing really well, and one of his best games was early on when both he and Jimmy G were healthy. The problem was both he and Jimmy G weren't healthy the rest of the season, so we didn't get to see Mm -hmm. that maturation process where the two coming together and really getting to see what the chemistry could be. But I really like Pettis. I think he's a good player. If I was if I was forced to pick, I'd pick Debo. But it's really a 1A, 1B situation, not a wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2. So, interesting take on that. You know who Dynastradamus is, right? Yeah. He definitely needs a new Twitter name because that name is a mouthful. Um, you saw the tweet I sent out yesterday that I think Dante Pettis is going to be the wide receiver 1. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, okay, now, when I say that, I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one, necessarily. Sure, you I'm mean saying wide receiver one te- for his team. Right. So, Dynastradamus had a really great take on this. He said, they're going to be pretty interchangeable. I'm going to take whoever I can get cheapest. So, I think that's actually a really good outlook right now for the 49ers wide receivers. Right now. Next year at this time, it could be a completely different story, obviously. Sure. I mean, Dante Pettis could go off. Maybe Debo has a not-so-productive um, rookie season. It could go the other way. Maybe Dante Pettis gets hurt again. Maybe Debo Samuel gets forced into more playing time and just goes berserk. So it's really interesting to see, but I do like that little bit of strategy right there. Just uh, just get what you can. Hey, Chev, i got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about James Washington? 
are you buying into the hype that he's just going to slide into that number two? He's going to be the next Juju? I mean, they do have Dante Moncrief, and they signed... Or they drafted somebody, I think... Deontay uh, Johnson? Yeah, I, I should have written yeah. that down here, because I, I just get confused with names. I'm old. But, um, so... I know that the the typical Steelers strategy is, okay, we have our one, which was AB, and our two is Juju. Our one leaves, our two is our one, our three is now our two. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the same thing? I mean, is he getting handed this job, or, or Deontay Johnson and Dante Moncrief, are they going to chip into this time? Is his breakout not going to be what's expected? I think I don't think it's going to get handed to him at all. I think they kind of drafted Johnson for I think Deonta Johnson for a reason. Uh, and just in my opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, but I I just I just don't see them handing him the job. Also, I can also see them being in a situation where they might want to throw three wide receivers out there, and I think that might be the best fit for them at some point as well during this season. Because I know on the road, Big Ben kind of struggles, so at some point they're going to have to throw three wide receivers out there and kind of chunk it up and try to get back in the game. So. Uh, but I think I think James Washington is a guy that you can kind of kind of hope for a breakout. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be there, but I think it's 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 a good opportunity for him uh, in that Pittsburgh offense. Uh, I, they've been one of the teams that throw the ball more than anybody in the last probably five years. So I would definitely want uh, James Washington on my team. Uh, I got to watch him. Uh, being in Oklahoma and he was at Oklahoma State so uh, he's a very exciting player he's a guy that can uh, get it uh, get open down the field and he can just make big plays for you um, I think he's he's gained a little bit of weight this offseason as well but it, he still looks like he has the same speed so uh, it's going to be a very 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 cautious wide receiver core to watch just because uh, I believe Deonta Johnson could possibly move into that situation where he could possibly take over the wide receiver too. But I, I think James Washington and him are going to go at it this offseason. I think they're going to be the two wide receivers. After Juju, uh, the two wide receivers are going to get the most opportunity in the two and three wide receiver sets. Hey, while we're on the Steelers, um, you know, I'm sure you guys, like myself, uh, listen to a lot of podcasts. I know uh, if you if you only listen to us, and you're in, I don't understand why you'd only listen to us, but if you do, thank you. Um, you know Garrett <laughs> is also on the Dynasty Nerds podcast. So one guy that I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about for a third-year breakout candidate, and I know that's more of a wide receiver thing, but what about James Conner? Uh, he did have almost 1,000 yards receiving, or sorry, rushing last year, kind of out of nowhere. We expected a decent season, but nothing like that. Why do you guys think that no one's talking about James Conner? Are they worried about injuries or... I think part of it is he, he kind of already did break out. You know, we saw him be basically a top five back for the first half of the football season. And so I think that's why people aren't necessarily talking about him as a breakout because we've already seen it happen. He's still getting taken in the top two rounds of drafts. But but I think your point is right. If anything, his value has definitely gone down uh, since since last season. And people are a little more afraid to, to draft him. And Partly, I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, early on in my drafts, I don't like to take a lot of risks. With my big-name players that are expensive, I'm trying not to take a lot of risk. I'll take all kinds of risk late in drafts or if I'm you know, trading for uh, guys that are going to probably be more depth or bench pieces. Give me all the upside all day long. Uh, but he, he hit most of his upside last year, and most owners want you to pay for what he's done and accomplished and there is some worry about Jalen Samuels. 
there is a little bit of worry about Benny Snell. You had the GM come out and make those comments about, uh, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at who's doing well and we'll let that guy be featured. And so I think there's just a lot of, a lot of nervousness around him. If you're a truther, if you're a believer, buy now because this is the cheapest you'll be able to get him unless he flames out. Uh, but I'm, I'm nervous that he is going to be a good lead committee back more so than the man. So when you're talking about you don't like to take risks in drafts early on, what do you feel or how do you feel about somebody who drafts Odell Beckham one spot ahead of your first selection? So are you saying, like, am I worried about OBJ being too big of a risk? No, no. What I'm saying is I selected OBJ one spot ahead of you in our oh. Debbie startup. Yeah. I was just curious. I, I saw that, but, you know, like, and part of me got mad for a half second. And then I was like, Oh yeah, this is a super flex. I'll get Baker, so I wasn't too <laughs> upset. I think for me, you guys always talk about your drafts, and it just seems like Mike just really loves sniping you. If he really all your does. Picks. I mean, it I is I think he just joins leagues to be with you, and so he can just snipe you twenty four seven. And he and always. I, I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> and he always <laughs> seems to like be picking right before me, right at like he's always right around me somehow. So yeah, how yeah. does that work? Like you and I, you're either one or two spots behind or ahead of me, or we're back to back constantly. Yeah. I think, I think in all three leagues we've been back to back or yeah, one spot away. And I think one of the other ones. So yeah, it's uh it's frustrating too, because uh, I know that you love to spite pick Madison or, <laughs> or Sega Whiteside or, and I would do it again. Yeah. So uh, you took, who'd you take in front of me this time that I was like, dang it, Mike, you know, I love him. Uh, oh, it was Foreman. We, we were talking about him earlier. You got Dante Foreman in this league, right? Yeah, but where I drafted him was insane it was great value. value. Yeah, it was great value. But I think I think it was him and there was somebody else that I really loved that went like back to back right before I. Did. I think it was Goddard, and uh, I didn't get a chance to take either one of them, and I was oh, I was furious. Well, you you had to have known I was going to take Goddard if he fell to me. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have blamed you. Hey, speaking of which, I think our Hall of Fame dynasty draft is finally over, right? I'm not <laughs> sure. It's probably still going. <laughs> that that was a long one. That was almost a month. You realize yep. that, right? It was a long that draft. Was, that was crazy. So that wraps up Dante Pettis. Uh, let's see. Uh, or who were we talking about? James Washington. Sorry, I'm not checking everybody else. One guy, one guy for me, I, can't, I think, if I can just butt in and kind of just pick a player, is Dallas Goddard. I mean, I love Dallas Goddard. Uh, everything that I saw in the film of him in college, I absolutely loved. He reminded me a little bit of Gronk uh, in sense, maybe not blocking-wise, but everything he can do down the field. I definitely love everything about him uh, in that aspect. Um, but, I mean, I think if he gets his chance to be that number one guy in a Philadelphia offense that loves to loves to hit the tight ends, uh, I think he's just going to absolutely excel. But, I mean, if, if Ertz has, has been a guy that – kind of stays healthy and you really don't get a chance after that but if goddard can kind of get his chance i would definitely be definitely be excited for him um if you can get him now for really cheap uh that's a guy that you want to watch in the future i think he's going to be a breakout candidate if not this year maybe next year for sure did uh so did you see what uh daniel jeremiah tweeted out it was like within the past two or three days no so he he tweeted out he said two players that i would be heavily buying are Dallas Goddard and Hunter Henry because I believe from what I've seen 
they're going to run more two tight end sets than any team we've seen in a long time. I would I would agree with that 100%. Obviously, being an Eagles fan and watching every game, uh, I see the type of offense that they're running and they're going to kind of transition to a little bit. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Miles Sanders this year. Not enough to make him a fantasy-relevant starter, necessarily. Um, Ertz isn't a free agent until 2022. That's obviously when he signed till. Uh, but the way that Howie Roseman works the cap and works trades, mm-hmm. I could see if Goddard plays really well and they draft a tight end in 2020 within the first three rounds, 2020 could be Ertz's last year as an Eagle. As much as I hate to say it because I love the guy and he's a fantastic football player, obviously this the NFL is still a business. So they're going to do what's best for their team. They're going to have to extend Carson. Uh, a lot of these younger guys are going to have to get contract extensions too. And, hey, you already won the Super Bowl with Zach Ertz. So if you could save money at that position and still get the production, why not move on? I mean, as much like I said, as much as I hate to say it, it could be, hey, here's a good one while we're on tight ends. Chef, since you brought up Goddard, you think Chris Herndon's going to have a a breakout season? Did I say his name right, Gary? Because I think I called him David Herndon once, right? You did call him David one time. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we're here for David or Chris Herndon, either one. So is Chris Herndon going to have a breakout season, or is he going to be this year's Jets version of Mike Gesicki? Um, Chris Herndon, is he with Jacksonville, or is he with um, the Jets? He's the Jets, Jets. tight end. Jets, yeah. And so We're going to take oh. away, he is suspended, I believe, the first two, two games. games of the year for a DUI. So don't factor that into it. Just, just imagine that he's only playing, that there's only a 14-game season. Like I said, don't don't put the suspension into it. Yeah, um, I definitely can see uh, him possibly possibly breaking out, but with Gaze's offense and kind of uh, I think what they kind of want to do, I I it'd be tough for me to say he's gonna break out. Um, but I mean, I really I really do love his potential. He's a guy that I think could be Sam Darnold's safety blanket down the middle of the field and kind of be a guy that can uh, eat up the first downs for them. Uh, when he's uh when he's out there on those third downs or second downs so i definitely think he's a guy that um could break out but i haven't done enough research on him to kind of put my foot foot in the door for him i i just haven't watched enough film garrett have you done a lot of with chris herndon uh i watched a decent amount of of some of his snaps and and plays he's he's a talented player and he really looked to be building a good rapport with with darnold last year the thing that has to be a little bit exciting if your if your Herndon truther is they added Bell and obviously he's a big factor in you know every aspect of the game because he's such a talented player but they didn't really add much else in the passing game it was really him and then Jamison Crowder and that's really about it and so I'm not excited about that I think he's fine I like Crowder and he's always produced well when he's been healthy but the guy can't stay healthy so it's hard to hard to trust him uh, for long term production. So, I mean, Hurden has good opportunity. He's young. He's getting to come in at the same time as Darnold, uh, develop together. I think, in in those later rounds, he's as good of a shot in the dark as anybody. Yep. Um, I am a Herndon truther, but with Gase coming to town, I'm a skeptical Herndon truther. So I like what you said about Bell opening things up, and I think it could happen, but we're just going to have to wait and see. 
Um, so let's see, moving on. I just have, um, I'm just going to touch on a couple IDP guys that I think are going to break out this year. Uh, one is Kenny Young, the Baltimore Ravens linebacker. C.J. Mosley went north to the New York Jets. He took a lot of production with him. So right now, Kenny Young is slated to be the starting middle linebacker for the Ravens. They always seem to have that one guy that racks up a ton of tackles. He's not going to be a big pressure guy. Uh, but if you're in an IDP heavy league that scores tackles a little bit higher, um, Kenny Young's going to be a good play. And another one is Derek Barnett, the Eagles tight end. Um, you could get him really cheap right now because he finished last season on IR with a torn pectoral muscle. He was having a very productive season until he got hurt. He only has seven and a half career sacks. And while that's not a lot, not a lot he did have a lot of quarterback rushes. So buy him cheap. The Eagles also did lose. Chris Long and Michael Bennett. So somebody has to step up there. Do you guys have anyone else you want to touch on? Like, does anyone, are you guys crazy enough to think that Rojo is going to have a breakout year? No. No? Chev? I'm going to say hard pass now. You're going to hard pass on that? What, what would you guys buy Rojo for? Would you buy him at all or like super cheap? I. I struggle with this because I'm not a believer in him in any form or facet. And I tend to go with the guys that I see more potential in who they are as a player. I think the, the, the cream rises to the top. And I like players more than I like situations. Now, I know situation dictates a lot of what happens in the NFL. But I think if if – they're going into week five and he still hasn't done anything. I think they're going to say one of two things, either one, we got to make a trade. Let's, let's see if we can pry Duke, uh, Duke Johnson away, or Mm -hmm. let's see if one of those Philadelphia Eagles are available or they're, they're going to try to find somebody or two. They're going to say, all right, Bruce Anderson, let's, let's see what you got. Let's see if you can do this thing. So is it out of the realm of possibility that Rojo plays better than he did last year and he's a capable low-end RB2 sure he could be the running back 20 on the season it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me for that to happen but as far as me buying a breakout where he's a player that I'm excited to own no so if I came to you and I said hey Garrett hey Rojo give me a 2023rd for him would you do it uh, at that point, I guess I would take Rojo if it, if we're still talking preseason, because you know in the third round you're just hoping those guys get opportunities. We know that we know that Rojo's going to get an opportunity, so I'm probably taking him there. But that's about the extent of it. Like that's that's the most I'm willing to pay to get Rojo. See, that's why you should play more IDP leagues because then you would say no because that's when you start drafting your stud IDP players. Sure. Yeah. In that case, maybe I wouldn't. Yeah. See, so I talked you out of it. You're welcome. There you go. Yeah, I'm only in two IDP leagues, so I need to I need to get in more. I try to get in a bunch of leagues that that feature it. If you scout it well enough, um, you could really. That's a big advantage. Uh, you could, yeah. Like uh, I'm in the back row invitational league, or the Brill, as it's commonly referred to as. Um, so their IDP scoring is actually almost as good as a running back or wide receiver scoring. Um. So they started getting, and that was a startup, they started getting a run of defensive players as early as, I think, the 11th round 
in a dynasty startup. So um, it was pretty crazy. Can't even say crazy right now. One last guy I want to touch on before we move on to the rest of the show, Evan Ingram. What do you guys think about him? I mean, he was a little banged up last year. Is anyone high on him? I think uh, OBJ being gone is going to open things up. I know they have Sterling Shepard. They got Golden Tate. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I think I think Evan Ingram kind of showed kind of what he can do in his first season when uh, OBJ was hurt for most of that year. Uh, but we they didn't have Saquon Barkley there as well. So I think Saquon's gonna, definitely going to be taking a lot of his targets and a lot of his opportunities uh, just on the short uh, intermediate routes. But, I mean, I think Evan Ingram could be a guy that could break out this season. I mean, uh, they have Sterling Shepard there. I believe they have Golden Tate as well. So, I mean, those are guys that uh, have done it. Uh, they're more of their wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. But, I mean, those are guys that have proven that they can uh, make plays. But uh, I think Evan Ingram is going to be a guy that you you would definitely watch uh, at the tight end position uh, just because it is so slim and um, a lot of the guys kind of do the same amount of production. But Ingram is a guy that could possibly win you a week if uh, him and Eli get hot or Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. <laughs> hey, you're you're stretching a little bit there with the Daniel Jones getting. I know, I know. So, well, that's our second and third year breakout players. I uh, hope you guys learned something. Um, I know I certainly did it because I, I wasn't thinking about Zay Jones as as high as you were, Garrett. So I might look into him, uh, see if I could acquire him cheap enough. But we do have a couple listener questions. Uh, the first one is from Danny B, and he's at Danny. B. B11, but the B as in BE is the number three. So this is a two-part question. Why did Hakeem Butler fall from grace, and will he become the player people thought he was pre-draft? Also, will Debo be the wide receiver one for the 49ers? I'm just going to take the Debo one and say, no, it's Dante Pettis, as I said earlier. (laughs) And Garrett's going to go ahead and disagree with me. And then, Chev, you know what? You live out in Arizona, so you can go ahead and tell us, why did Hakeem fall from grace? He's on uh, the Cardinals now. Maybe you could shine some light on that. Yeah, I honestly am not 100% sure why Hakeem Butler fell so low. Uh, but he was definitely one of the guys that I really loved going into the draft. So I thought he was going to be a guy that drafted maybe maybe late first, uh, early second. Uh, I really loved his potential. He's a big guy. He's a pounder once he gets the ball. Uh, he's got some yak guards. I mean, uh, watching the OU tape that he had, I mean, he just absolutely destroyed them that game. Uh, he's a big guy that's going to be a big red zone threat for Kyler Murray. Um, I don't think he's going to break out this season just because I think Fitzgerald is going to take mo- most of that load. But, I mean, he gets to learn from Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greatest to ever play the game. Um, and I, I can't I can't wait to see uh, Murray and um, Hakeem Butler grow in this offense. I think it's going to be uh, an offense that wants to run a lot of plays and they are going to throw the ball up and down the field. So, uh, besides the offensive line, I think it's going to be a very exciting uh, season here in uh, Arizona. So, Garrett, you want to tell me I'm wrong now about Debo Samuel? I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Uh, I do like Debo more. But like I said, it's 1A, 1B, so I'm not I'm not going to stress if somebody thinks that one player is uh, better than the other, but I think I think you're going to see similar production this year from him. Okay. Uh, very good. So our last question is from super fan of the show, Tyler, and he wants to know... <laughs> Has anyone it- gotten more questions on the show than Tyler? You know, actually, um, he's giving me a question every week. He asked if I mind, and I said, no, that's cool. You know what? We- I appreciate 
his commitment to this yeah, show. Yeah, he's all. Tyler is a great. We should guy. make him the official fan of the show. He, you know what? I, you are the official mascot of the Dynasty Rewind. There we go. And do you I was going to make an official fan. Now you're a mascot, but you know whatever. <laughs> so Tyler is the guy. Remember we were talking about coach speak before the show. Yeah. He's the guy who had the coach that would say jump and yimity. There you go. I would tell him some of my stories, but uh, I feel like they're not uh, as as a PG as we like to keep this show. So some other time. So he actually is a good one, and I was thinking about this the other day too. Is it possible for a player to be untradeable, as in he is worth too much? And Uh, keep in mind, this is a guy that does have Saquon Barkley on his team. So I'll say this: I believe everyone has a price. Now, I don't think teams always have enough to necessarily pay that price, but right. I think every player does have a price. So if you were to tell me, like, yes, obviously Saquon Barkley is just crazy, crazy valuable. But if you were to tell me somebody said, hey, I will pay anything for him. I will give you Zeke and Devontae Adams and a 2021st. You can't well, tell I'll me that you're him. not going to say, yes, absolutely. I'll take mm-hmm. two, two uh, top 10 players and a 2021 for Saquon Barkley. So I think every player has a price. However, there is, I think that it's, it, the point he was getting at is, you know, even if you got what would be considered fair value for Barkley you still probably wouldn't want to trade him. And so in that sense, he's kind of untradeable. Even if somebody ponied up to, you know, what would be a fair deal or even maybe a little bit over fair, um, but they still wouldn't do it. I know the baseball equivalent of this was, you know, has been Mike Trout for a super long time. And I remember one time I sent over this absurd trade just to see what the guy would do. And part of it was he also had like this sentimental attachment to Mike Trout because he had, picked him like when he was in triple a and all this stuff Mm. and so even even though i gave him more than trout was worth he basically was like there's probably not a realistic trade that i would ever take to get rid of mike trout so on the same note what about chef what do you think about a guy like deandre hopkins is he another guy that you could consider untradeable because he's worth too much yeah, I, I actually acquired him in a trade um, this offseason, so I was, I'm really happy to get him. Um, but I think he's a guy that you can almost count on every week to go up there and get you possibly 15 to 20 points almost every game just because of the connection he kind of has uh, with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's a guy that's done it with quarterbacks of lesser talent than a lot of the other wide receivers that have Aaron Rodgers or um, other quarterbacks of that caliber. So. I think he's a guy that you can definitely count on uh, most of the time. But I think if I had a good offer on the table, uh, I wouldn't say he's untradeable because I I don't uh, believe in people being untradeable. But he'd definitely be hard to get off my team at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. So um, I would say that there are guys out there who could be considered too valuable to trade. Uh, Every player does have a price, but Mm -hmm. are people willing to pay it? So that concludes our listener questions portion of the show. Thank you for all the two questions that we got, everybody. So our rewind of the week. I don't know. I I do watch a fair amount of Bears games. Um, I was always curious what the GSH on their uniform stands for. Chev, do you know? 
Uh, it's, man, I can't remember his name, but it was one of their um, owners, I believe. I can't remember his name, though, at the moment. So the GSH on the Chicago Bears uniform stands for George Stanley Harris or, I'm sorry, George Stanley Hallis Sr. Mm-hmm. He was the founder, owner, and head coach, and he was nicknamed Papa Bear. He kind of did everything for the Bears organization when they first started out. So um, there is your rewind of the week. And now, Garrett, lead us in with a verse, or lead us out with a verse, I guess I should say. Yeah, all right. So this week for our Dynasty Rewind verse of the week, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And this is verse 6, and it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. And I know that this speaks to me uh, because I like to try to be a person that when something's wrong, I take care of it. But And, and I'm stressing out, but, I, but I'm going to figure out a way to get it done. But rather, we just need to take our, our concerns and our worries to God and let Him take care of it. And then we can follow His leading. Yeah, I definitely definitely love that uh, verse. I think another for, thing for me is just uh, train people the way you'd want to be treated as well. I think just seeing people that are possibly on the streets or they're, they're begging for money. I mean, if you just go buy a Gatorade at the store, I mean, just blessing somebody's life for just one day, even though it may not mean anything to them. I mean, it's only a dollar, but, I mean, you're, you're blessing somebody's life. I, I definitely enjoy uh, being able to... Um, bless people and be able to give them something that they not, may not be able to get. Garrett, again, thank you, like always, for the beautiful verse of the week. And now we are going to have a word from Larry, who did uh, the Dynasty Rewind music for us. It's you. Staring at your company's old website again with that same bland logo your cousin's buddy made for you years ago. You read that study online about how your digital presence is more important than ever, but you just have no idea where to start. That's where we come in. Laird Creative is a full-service branding and creative agency that will turn your blank into a recognized brand. From video and audio production to graphic design, Laird Creative has every tool you need to build your brand from the ground up. Visit LairdCRTV.com. That's LairdCRTV.com to get started today. Laird Creative. Step your brand up. Well, Laird, I got to say thank you to you for stepping our brand up because the music is awesome. So thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you for all the questions. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Dyn- well at Dynasty Rewind. Garrett, where can we find you on Twitter? At Dynasty Price. And Chev? Yeah, so I actually just changed my name. It's going to be yeah. Chev Boyardee. So it's, it's kind of swaggy. So definitely a new little kick to my Twitter. So it's going to be Chev, C-H-E-V, boy b-o-i-r-d so definitely love it and you could find me at the m bauer 85 and we are now available on almost every format uh stitcher spotify soundcloud and now itunes as well as google podcasts and google play so make sure you hit that subscribe and review and we appreciate it everybody and remember be kind please rewind